Well, good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing this morning? Are you guys excited to be in the house of God today? All right. Well, I got some good news for you today, and I have some bad news. The bad news is, the bad news is, we're starting a brand new series, and it's going to beat you up. The good news is, I got a series for you that's going to change your life. But it can only change your life if you allow it to beat you up. We're starting a brand new series this morning entitled, Finding Your Missing Peace. How many of you need some peace in your life today? Some of you have lost your peace a long time ago. Some of us are looking for peace right now. Some of us right now are just praying for peace. You've lost your peace. You're asking God to give you peace. Decisions you have to make. Things you have to do. Emotions that you're feeling. You're just on your knees and you're telling God, my life would be so much better if I had peace in it. And what, what if I told you, you have access to peace. In fact, peace is something you're not missing because it's never been lost. You just don't know where to look right. So we're going to go for the next six weeks, even into the Easter weekend, on how to find your missing Peace. I want to start for a second before we even pray. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Notice what God says here. The word of God says in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for what? Nothing. You split that word nothing up. You know what you get? No thing. In other words, God is saying, no thing in your life should cause you to be anxious. That's crazy. When God says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And look at verse 7, look at this promise. The word of God says, and thus say it with me. Peace of God that surpasses all understanding, all comprehension, will guard your emotions, your heart, and your thoughts, your mind. Because anxiety, fear, worry, discouragement, everything that's robbing you of your peace right now, God shows us where it's coming from. It's coming not from your hearts, that's how I feel, but it's coming from your mind. Your thoughts. So you're either one thought away from anxiety or one thought away from peace. So the way that I think is going to make a determination whether I experience the peace of God. In fact, if you don't have peace today, there's something wrong with that. Because here the Bible says peace 
of God. See, there's two levels of peace the Bible talks about. There's peace with God and peace of God. And if you have peace with God, you only have peace with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, accepting that you're a sinner in need of repentance, in need of salvation, and Jesus is the way. If you've made that decision, you're on your way to heaven. Glory to God. You have peace with God. God is... God in you says we're good. Your sins are paid for. But it doesn't say peace with God. It says peace of God. Can I tell you this is one of the most mind-blowing passages you'll read? Because you know what God is saying here when he says, I want the peace of God in your life? God is literally saying, you guys ready? Brace yourself, you ready? God is saying, I want to give a piece of me to you. Whoa, right? You imagine God saying, I'm going to give you a piece of me to you. That's the peace of God. Because I'll tell you something that's not happening in heaven right now. God is not looking down on the throne saying to his angels, what are we going to do? God is not losing rest. God is not losing peace. God is not afraid. God is not anxious. You might be, but God isn't. If you would get a picture of God in heaven right now, like Isaiah did, you would see him seated on the throne. Why is he sitting down? Because he's not pacing back and forth worried. He's not afraid. In fact, this is why Jesus was in the middle of a storm sleeping. Because he had a peace of God with him. His disciples, they were followers, they were believers, they were Christian, they were the, they're just like us, but they were freaking out, afraid, anxious, worried, telling Jesus, don't you even care? Why did Jesus fall asleep in the storm? Because he was teaching us, you can't avoid storms in your life, but you can avoid anxiety. You can't avoid what happens to you, but you can avoid worry. In fact, the word peace there is a Greek word that literally means to rest and be calm. When was the last time you really rested? And I'm not talking about the kind of rest that you have only because you've taken NyQuil or something else, the kind of rest you have because you've just swallowed something, the kind of rest you have because you've just given up. No, I'm talking about when was the last time you were in the storm, in the mess, in the problem, in the difficulty, and it didn't even bother you because you knew you had a peace of God that says, God, you got this. I'm wondering where those people are at. You know why those claps are lame? Because you have no peace in your life. You're anxious all the time. You're worried all the time. You have no rest, no joy. And it's crazy. Because that means, listen, that means I can have peace with God, but that doesn't mean I have the peace of God in my life. So some of you, you have the peace with God. You're on your way to heaven. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. You've received Jesus Christ. You've repented of your sin. You're on your way to glory. But you're living on earth. 
worried. Was it possible you could have peace with God, but not the peace of God in your life? Absolutely. You guys ready to find your missing peace? Matthew chapter 10, verse 11. Can we stand in reverence to the word of God this morning? Come on. Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 11. The word of God says to his disciples, Jesus said, Whatever city or village you enter, inquire who's worthy in it. You got to pause right there because Jesus just insulted some people. He said, hey, when you go into this city, see who's worthy. Because let me tell you what Jesus was saying here. There are some people in your life that aren't worthy. What? Jesus said that? Look at it. When you go into the city, into the village, enter it, inquire who is what? Worthy. Who's worthy of your time right now? Who's worthy of your love? Who's worthy of your commitment? Whatever city or village you enter, inquire who's worthy in it. If you're worthy, listen, he says, stay. Stay at his house until you leave that city. As you enter the house, give your greeting. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing. Be a blessing to it. A blessing of Peace. But if it's not worthy, look at this command. Take back your blessing of peace. Whoever does not receive you, nor heed your word, meaning listen to you, as you go out of that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. Truly. Jesus, I'm telling you the truth. I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than that city. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So, be as true, meaning wise, be as wise as a serpent, but as innocent as a dove. Verse 13, let's go back there. Verse 13. If the house is worthy, be a blessing to it with your peace. But if it's not worthy, this is what blew my mind. This is the the verse that set up the course for this entire six-week series. You guys ready? Jesus said, take back your peace. In other words, Jesus said, there's people in your life that have your peace and you need to get it back. So I want to title this sermon today, Getting Your Peace Back. Come on, get your peace back. Tell your neighbor, look at them right now before you sit down. Nudge them if you have to and say, hey, where's your peace? Get it back. Get your peace back. And you all can be seated right now in the house of God. Amen. Amen. I want to start this beautiful missing peace series, finding your missing peace, 
I want to encourage you by telling you something. Why am I starting with this verse? Because I believe with all my heart, and you will agree, there is nothing that will rob you of your peace more than people. Hallelujah. Can I get a mm mm-hmm? That's right. People. But we're in church. We're supposed to love people. But Jesus said, some people aren't worthy of you. So walk away. Get your peace back. Get your peace back. You see, when Jesus said to his disciples, for three years, Jesus is telling all the disciples, guys, love. Guys, encourage. Hey, give. Serve. Be loyal. Kind. Compassionate. And anyone for three years are hearing this, yeah, yeah, that's great, that's nice, that's pretty, I like that. And then, Jesus sits down with his disciples, his followers, and he says, hey, I've got to talk to you guys. Like, okay, what's up, Jesus, what's going on? So listen, we've got to sit down, we've got to talk, okay? He said, you're going to go to some villages now to preach. You're ready. You're going to go out there to help and serve and love and be compassionate and kind, just like I commanded you to be. Yeah, Jesus, we're ready. I feel like loving people. I've learned. I'm ready to encourage. Yes. Why? Because, well, obviously, God is a helper. It's who he is. So helping is what he does. So for three years, Jesus, who is God, is telling his disciples, I want you to help people. I want you to be compassionate. I want you to love. I want you to care. And for three years, they're like, yeah, we got this. We're going to be so loving. Yes, we're going to love on the world. Let's go to the villages. Let's preach the gospel. Let's tell people about Jesus. Let's tell people about forgiveness. Let's see lives transformed. Let's not knock on doors. Let's just get in these houses and tell people about the love of Jesus. And they're all compassionate. And Jesus just kind of goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Calm down. He says, you're going to go in these houses. But some of them are going to reject you. Some of them are going to walk out on you. In fact, Jesus took it a next level when he said, some of them aren't even worthy of your time. They must have been like, what? Yeah. But what do we do when it happens? What does that mean? Shake it off. Walk away. Walk away. But are we supposed to help? Are we called to love? Yes. But not everyone. Psalm 46.1, let me prove it to you. Psalm 46.1. Because this is not a sermon to give you a license to hate people. Don't be texting people, my pastor gave me the okay to hate you. No. 
I know some of you. The devil's whispering that. You like this message, right? God is our refuge and our strength. Praise God for that, right? Come on. Praise God for that. God is our refuge. And our, our refuge is some place you run to for help and shelter. And you find strength because oftentimes in the city of refuge, they would feed you food and give you water and nourishment. And notice something about God. He's a very, that word very means ever, forever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever present help in trouble. That's awesome. Because Jesus says, whenever you're in trouble, you can always run to me. Whenever you're in need, I will be there. Whenever you're weak, I will strengthen you. And that's awesome about God. But let me tell you something about this verse. God is an ever-present help in our trouble. But that never meant that you were called to be an ever-present help to people. How many of you know that person in your life that always runs to you when they're in trouble? If you don't know them, because you're that person. He said, uh oh. <laughs> and they always run to you for help. They always run to you when they need something. You know that person is the person that when they call, you know, oh, they want something. They never call to say hi. They never call to say how you doing. They always call to say, my car broke down, I need some cash. I need this, I need that. Can you do this? Do a brother solid. Can you do me a favor? Come on now. How many of you have some people in your life that always seem to find you when they're in trouble? And the only reason they find you is because you let yourself be found. Because they know that you're always there. And you know what happens when you're an ever-present help to people? You pay for it. You get exhausted. Because they're going to keep coming back to you every time. They're never going to change. But they know, as long as I have them, I have this refuge. But let me tell you something. When you become a refuge for someone, when you become an ever-present help, you're not letting room for God to work in that person's life. So God says, I'm an ever-present help in trouble. But you're not. David, who wrote this psalm, understood. Because there was a time that he let his son go and said, I can't do anything about you. I'm leaving you to the hands of God. David had some wild children. Breaking up the house and the family, there came a point that David said, I can't anymore with you. So David understood what it meant to have God, who's an ever-present help in time of trouble. But he also understood that there are moments in my life, I cannot be an ever-present help to you. That's why the Bible says that Jesus told his disciples, there is a time to walk away from a person. There is a time that you have to say, that's enough. I tried. I was there. 
I gave to you. I served you. Jesus said, you go to the village. You go to them. You see if they want it. You try to help them. But if they don't, they're not worthy of you, your time, and you need to walk away. You need to just go. See, we have to learn what Jesus was saying here. Because Jesus says something interesting. He said, guys, I'm sending you out. Like little sheep. Innocent, cute. But I'm sending you out. But I got to tell you about the wolves out there. Jesus says something interesting. He says, I want you to go out there like sheep. Because you know that we have a great shepherd. He calls us sheep. But then he tells his sheep, I want you to be as wise as a serpent. He didn't say, I want you to act like a serpent. Like, no. He said, I want you to be as wise as the serpent. Why? Because you look at Genesis, the Bible says the serpent was crafty. Smart, had a strategy. So Jesus is telling his followers, his sheep, I want you, because you're a sheep, but I want you to be wise. Wise as a snake. Because let me be honest with you. Can I be honest with you as your pastor? Some of us, and I'm going to say all of us, are not wise when it comes to certain people in your life. And some of you are in the mess you're in because you weren't wise with the person you let in your life. So Jesus says, you're like sheep. And you're going to be alongside some wolves. And some of these wolves even look like sheep, but in time you're going to see the real them. And when you see these wolves, be wise. Because when a sheep sees a wolf, you know what they do? They run. They don't say, hi, wolfie. Want to hang out? Want to grab some coffee? See, the sheep, naturally, they have an instinct to be loyal followers. That's why God refers to us as sheep. Because sheep are prone in their nature to just follow and be loyal. But see, sheep are so loyal that sometimes they're dumb. That's why God calls us sheep, because we're not wise enough to make our own decisions. That's why we need a great what? Shepherd. But see, this is what it teaches me, a powerful principle. Don't be so loyal to someone that you're actually dumb. Don't be so committed to someone that you're actually not being wise. See, I read a story that in 2005, 1,500 sheep died. 1,500 sheep in Turkey fell off a cliff and died. All because one of those sheep fell off the cliff and died. 
But when they were so faithful and loyal to follow that one, they didn't even see the cliff they were headed for. And it cost them. Because sometimes your love and loyalty to a person in your life is actually the dumbest thing you're doing right now and it's leading you off a cliff. And God is telling you, this is a wolf. What are you doing with this wolf? I love that wolf. I don't like these sheep. I want me a wolf. Oh, yeah, wolf. I know, God, they're bad for me. I know. I I know, God, they're not the one. I know, but you know what? Maybe I can just hang out with the wolf. Maybe I can just be friends with the wolf. But you know what happens if a sheep befriends a wolf? Eventually, the wolf in his nature will destroy that sheep. Can I tell you, sheeps here today, you cannot tame a wolf, but I can change him. No, you can't. But I can save her. You're not the Holy Spirit. So sometimes... We're so loyal as Christians, we're actually dumb. Sometimes we're so committed because we use the Word of God for our flesh. Well, the Word of God says we need to love everyone. But that never meant be with them. But it's, we've been best friends. And you're so loyal. It's dumb. You're so committed to a person that in the eyes of God is not even worthy of you. It's not even worthy of your time. Hey, can I step at the next level? They're not even worthy of your phone call. Your text. Jesus was honest. He says sometimes you got to walk. This isn't a message for spouses. I want divorce, by the way. If you've been there in Bible study, we know you only walk away in the case of adultery and abandonment because of the faith in Jesus Christ. So you got to stay with her. I'm sorry. But she's a wolf. Yes. But you knew she was a wolf when you married her. Come on. You just thought you were a wolf tamer. How many wolf tamers do I have this morning? I wonder. How many people you think, well, if I just bring them to church, if I'm just nicer, if I'm just there, I know they will change. And then you come, Pastor, this wolf bit me. What were you doing with a wolf anyway? Well, I was trying to tame him. Come on, tame her. See, how many wolf tamers do I have? Let's be honest. Just give me a quick... Ready? One, two, three, go! Wolf tamers. See, I wonder... I wonder... Why are we not wise with certain people in your life? Why is it that there are certain people in our life we go dumb for? Some people in your life you suffer for. 
There are some people in your life you've lost your peace for. All because you've let them in. So God says here to his disciples, I want you to be wise like a snake and innocent like a dove. So while you're rejecting people, you can maintain your innocence. Don't be so rude about it. But you got to learn when to walk. But see, I was praying and said, Lord, why is my church so dumb? No, I didn't say that. But I said, Lord, why are we so dumb with people? Come on, let's be honest in the house of God. Have you ever looked back in your life and said, what was I thinking with that person? Here's the thing. You weren't thinking. You were taming. Why are we not wise with people in our lives? Because she's hot. Because she's He's cute. You know how many wolves are cute? They're cute. You seen a little puppy wolf? Some of you are dating puppies right now. That they're going to grow up. And when that moon is full, they're going to start howling. And you're like, where did this come from? I missed a puppy in you. <laughs> Why are some of us so dumb with people? And we, we let our love and loyalty that's in us in Jesus be the excuse for it. Hey, answer me this. Did Jesus walk away from people? Oh, yeah, he did. Why can't you? Because you're dumb. Why can't I? Because I've been dumb. Are you guys offended yet? Because you're dumb. <laughs> Here's why some of us become so dumb and not wise as a serpent when it comes to people. Whether they're friends, family members, boyfriends, girlfriends, whoever, sons, daughters, strangers. One is because some people in your life are for a season. And we make the mistake of making seasonal people forever people. See, an example of this is found in the Bible when these four friends were taking these crippled guy over to Jesus. And he was on the mat like, thanks guys, I love you, whatever. He's pulling them. They get the ladder. They climb up to the roof. They put a hole through the roof. They lowered him to Jesus. But you know what happened after? They let go. And said, we can only take you this far. God has to do the rest. They could do nothing to help him walk. See, there are some people God brings in your life that are just for a season, and you can only take them so far, but then you have to have the faith and the confidence to know when God says let them go, you let them go. But I want them forever, but they're seasonal. And if you make a seasonal person forever, they will mess your life up forever. 
So there are certain people in your life you can only help so much. There's only amount of time you can give them, amount of love you can give them, and just loyalty you can give them, and advice you can give them. There's only amount of money you can give them. But there comes a time that you have to say, I can't handle this person anymore. And I can only take you this far. And then there's another reason we're so dumb with people. And why we've lost our peace because of people. Because some people, now this is hard for me to say, this is bold, I even ask God, can I say this? But some people in your life are helpless. But let me finish that sentence before you crucify me. Some people in your life are helpless to you, but never helpless to God. Some people in your life are helpless to you, but never is there a person that's helpless to God. Let me give you an example of these people in your life. Jonah. Jonah, he wiggled his way into this boat. And the storm came, and the boat was falling apart, and they were losing precious cargo because of Jonah. And once they found out, Jonah is the reason we're in this mess. Jonah is the reason we've lost peace. Jonah is the reason we've lost joy. Jonah is the reason we're losing everything. Jonah is the reason we're going to die. Jonah is the reason. And listen, what are you going to do about it? We need to help him. They didn't throw him overboard. They grabbed the oars, and the Bible says they tried to get him to shore, but couldn't. That's helpless. And then God pointed it out to them so clear, let him go. See, because the crippled guy represents people in my life that I can only take so far and I let them go. When I discovered this as a pastor, I actually started enjoying ministry. Because I said, I can take you this far. But you're on your own with God now. And then when I met Jonah in my life in ministry, I realized there's some people in my life I have no business being with. There are people in your life have no business being in your boat. But they force themselves in there. But you know why everything in your life is a mess because of them? Because they may force themselves in your life, but you're so dumb to keep them there. And you complain, my ship's breaking. My cargo's lost. We're losing everything. And meanwhile, Jonah is down in the deck sleeping. Why? Because the people that are messing up your life, they don't care. And God says, get rid of them. But when God told them to throw them overboard, what happened? Helpless to them, but not helpless to God. And God made sure that Jonah was swallowed by a fish and led him to repentance, and he changed his life. See, because that's my point. There are people in your life that are helpless to you, but never helpless to God. But the reason they never get help from God is because they're still with you.
But, but aren't we called to love everyone? Yeah. But that doesn't mean they have to be in your boat. That doesn't mean that they have to be sleeping in, in your little boat, destroying your life. I'm not saying you give up on them. I'm saying you give them up to God and walk away. The problem is we're sheep. We're sheep. And we say, I need to love them. I need to be low. I'm a sheep. That's what I do. But Jesus told his sheep, his disciples, you love and you be loyal to a certain point. And be wise. And be prepared to walk out. And when you walk out, hey, don't forget your peace. Get it back. Because I wonder how many of you have lost your peace because someone else has it. And that someone else has it only because you've given it to them. They didn't steal it. You surrendered it. But like Jonah, you keep trying to save them. You keep trying to fix them. You keep trying to change them. And there comes a point that God says, when and at what cost will you realize you need to give them up to me? Because they're helpless to you, but never helpless to God. Here's the problem why we've lost peace with people. I think, in my opinion, we have a hard time really distinguishing and finding out who are the helpless people in our lives. When do you know to call it quits? When do you know to say, hey, I can't help them anymore? So let me give you some quick signs to look for, to tell you it's time to walk. They can still be in your life. Hey, they might be in church still. They might be in your family. You can't walk out on family, but it doesn't mean you have to allow them to keep using you and abusing you and taking from you. You guys get it? Five signs that you're helpless. Write them down. Write it on your phone. Do what you need to do. How do you know someone's helpless? Number one, helpless people don't think they need help. Helpless people don't think they need help. Why would you try to help someone that thinks they don't need it? Think about those here today that have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know why we have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because there came a point that you acknowledged, you confessed your sins to Him. That word confess means agree. You agreed with God that you were a sinner. You agreed with God that Jesus was the only way. And because you agreed with that, you made the change. You see that with salvation, there has to be acknowledgement. See, God can only save the soul of a person that acknowledges their sin. But why would you try to save someone that has no acknowledgement of their need for saving? So helpless people are blind. 
to their need for help. That's why Paul said in, in Ephesians 4, he says some of them are blind and can't see. There are some people in your life, no matter how many times you tell them, no matter how many times you warn them, they're so blind that they will never acknowledge they need help. So that person is helpless. Number two, helpless people are those who know, now this person knows they need help, but don't want it. And I see this all the time as a pastor for years. I sit down with them, I counsel them, they say, I know, pastor. I know. I, I know I need to change. I know this is wrong. I know she's not the one. I know he's not the one. I know, I know, I know. But they don't want it. That's why Jesus walks up to the city. He sees a crippled man for 38 years. And I always find it weird and crazy that Jesus looks at him and the first thing out of his mouth is, do you want to be healed? Because this man clearly knew he needed to be healed. So Jesus would have looked crazy if he would have said, do you know you're crippled? Do you know you're sick? He knew he was crippled. But see, what Jesus wanted to know was do you want to change? See, that's why there's so many helpless people today because they know they need help but don't want it. And then you have a third person, number three. A person that is helpless is a person that knows, a person that wants, but they don't want it yet. They don't want it right now. Jesus had a few of these people. Jesus, I'll follow you the rest of my life. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Jesus, I want to be with you. I want a relationship. I want to be a disciple. Jesus, save me. Yes, Jesus, I know you're the Messiah. Jesus, I'm ready. But first, let me bow bury my dad. And people think Jesus was heartless because this man's father had died. This man's father didn't die. When you really read it in the Greek, you know what happened? This man said, hey, first, can you wait until my dad dies so I can get his inheritance? It wasn't that the guy died. Because what's a funeral? One day, an hour? This man literally said, I want to follow you, just not now. So there are people that know they need help. They want the help. They just don't want it now. Let me wait. Let me see. Let me get it out of my system. I know, I want to, but not now. But, but you need this, I, I know I need it. And trust me, I want it. Not now. I've encountered so many people like this in ministry. And then the fourth person is people that they know they want help. They want the help. They want it now. And I know what you're thinking. That person has to be the one. No. 
Because there are some people that know they need help. They want help. They want it now. But, yeah, there's a but here. They don't want that help from you. They don't want it from you. And this confuses me because I've seen this in ministry all the time. There are people that I spend years telling them about a certain sin, a certain problem. You need to do this. You need to do this. I know, Pastor. I know, Pastor. I know. And it's like one day I don't see them in church. Then they come back. Pastor, guess what? I read this book. I listened to this podcast. I heard this pastor. And man, they were so amazing. They, they just transformed. You know that I, they told me to do this and this. And I'm like, I've been telling you that for years. You know crazy people like that? And I'm, like, and I'm thinking, is it me? And I'm like, it is. They just don't want it from you. Come on. Jesus went to his own village, his own hometown. And the fact is, they saw the miracles. They saw the need to change. They knew they could, but they didn't because they didn't want it from the carpenter's son. There are people in your life. Man, they know they need help. They want it right now. But they don't want it from you. Why, Pastor? I still don't know why. But it frustrates me because you feel like slapping them. I have been telling you this for years. Yeah, but the way they said it. The way that, I don't know, maybe it's because of you, maybe because I see you like a brother. But when I heard it from a stranger, for the people like this, number five, help us people know they need help. They want the help. They want it right now. But, Yes, there's another but here. But they aren't willing to do what it takes to get it. They're not willing to do what it takes to get it. But can't you just pray and say a few words and fix me? No. See, Elijah and Connell people like this. Hezekiah wanted to be healed. And Elijah said, hey, dip in this river seven times and you'll be healed. Can't you just wave your hands? No, I need you to do something. Go to the river. Dunk yourself in it seven times. You'll be healed. But that river's so dirty. (laughs) And it's so far. There's one that's actually nicer and cleaner and closer. And Elijah says... Go to the Jordan. Get yourself in the Jordan. Dip yourself seven times. Fine. Because helpless people, they know they want, they want it now, but aren't willing to do what it takes. They just want to hand me out. 
torn a hand out. Here, here's a proof of this. <laughs> Read this story. It's amazing to me. In Matthew 17, Peter and Jesus have a problem. You know, this is literally in the Bible, but it's, it's tax season. <laughs> it's tax season, and Jesus didn't get a good tax return. Y'all know about that? But anyway, Peter said, hey, Jesus, what are we going to do? we got to pay our taxes. And Jesus, almighty God, Jesus, said, Peter, go fish. You're going to catch a fish. Open that fish's mouth. There's going to be a coin in there. Get that coin. Go to the tax collector's office. Pay our taxes. And I read it and I said, couldn't you just coins? Yes, he could have. But he said, no, you go fishing. Catch the fish. Open his mouth. Get the coin. Walk to the office. Pay the tax. Because sometimes we think the provisions of God is just going to happen. But God says, no. You got to do the work. So help us people. They don't think they need help. They don't want the help. They want it, but not now. They want it, but not from you. They want it now. Maybe not from you, maybe from you, but they don't want what it takes to get the help. If you can identify these five areas of helplessness in people in your life, walk away from them. And get your peace back. Amen. Praise God today. As we close today, as you close today, this series is going to beat us up because right now, One of two things is happening. God is pointing out someone in your life right now. He's saying, walk away. I don't care who they are, walk away. Walk away from that wolf. Or another thing's happening. You know you need to walk away, but not yet. Not now. Some of you might hear this message years from now from another pastor and said, man, what are the, I need to walk away. And I'm going to slap you. When you're thinking of that person, you say, well, well, you know why it's so hard? Because we're sheep. And some of us are so loving and loyal because of the love and loyalty of God that it makes us dumb. And the fact is, there are some people in your life that are leading you off a cliff. But you're so loyal, you continue. So Jesus gets his disciples and says, Guys, listen. Go to the village and knock on some doors. So the disciples go to the village and... Have you heard about Jesus? He saved my life. He's awesome. Get out of here. 
they come back to Jesus. And that hurt. Because you know what hurts the most in life? When you make the effort, but they still reject you. And you're thinking of them right now. You say, yeah, Pastor, I know. I've tried with this person, but they reject me. That's why Jesus prepared them. That rejection is an infection. I like that. And if you're not careful, you're going to keep knocking on some doors you should have walked away from a long time ago. And you know what happens when you keep knocking? You get tired. And you're trying to save them. You're trying to change them. You're trying to help them. But see, here's what happens. And God says this in Revelation. Jesus said, I stand on the door and I what? I knock. Whoever what? Open. See, God says knock. But the only people in your life that can change are those that are open to you. They're open The people that are open don't have to wait to hear from someone else. They say, Pastor, I get it. The people that change are the ones that says, I want it now and I'm open to do what it takes. But see, if the doors are closed and you keep knocking, it's just going to wear you out. And Jesus says, they're not worthy of you. Walk away. And I said, man, Jesus, that's kind of harsh. I don't know if I should preach this. But then I got it. He said, when you walk away, get that dust off your feet. Come on, stand up. Shake one foot for me. Look crazy today. If you're able to, come on, just shake. Grab your neighbor's leg. Come on, come on. <laughs> you know why this happens? Jesus says, shake it off. Because there's some dirt on you that doesn't belong on you and you need to shake it off. And I believe what Jesus was saying here is that when you get rejected, it's going to feel like there's dirt on you because you're going to feel guilty. You're going to feel worthless. You're going to feel like it's you. And you might even get bitter that this person never appreciated you. See, if we're honest, we can say, Pastor, I've been bitter with people that have rejected me and closed the door because have you ever said because of someone else's rejection, I will never love again. I will never marry again. I will never join a ministry ever. I will never because of them. You're bitter. Because you know what Jesus says? Walk away, but go to another village and find someone that does want your help. Because when you stay stuck with one person, you're rejecting a bunch that actually can be helped. See, I tell all the single people, when you're wasting your life on someone that's not for you, you're wasting your time on someone that is for you. And God has them for you, but you're wasting your time on this person that's not worth your time. It took me eight years to get this. Every Sunday, I, I would just go home and cry and be like, God, I hate church. 
hate ministry. God, I can't do it. God, get me. I used to envy people that had normal jobs. Man, I'd give anything to punch in and out. That's awesome. Man. But you know what the devil was doing in my life that God revealed? He was getting me to focus on that one person. And I had ignored 10 or 20 that I was making a difference in. See, every Sunday, I can focus on that one person that's texting or the 20 people that are leaning forward. I can focus on that one person that walks away or I can focus on the 50 that are here listening. It's called the 110 ratio. Pastors love it and practice it. You're so caught up on one person that's not even worth your time. You have ignored the 10 or the 20 or the dozens in your life that are worth your time. So in the name of Jesus, I'm telling you the truth. Shake them off. And focus your time and worth on those that want it. That's why... The prodigal son is an amazing story. Because some of us feel guilty because of someone else's mess in their life. Someone else is living wrong. Someone else is not following. Maybe you have a child today that's not following Jesus, going to church, because you think you had something to do with that. Everyone's accountable to God for themselves. Maybe you have a person that you're saying, if I would have just stayed, what if I would have done this? And we begin to reason and bargain with ourselves. But I want to tell you for that father of that prodigal son, he could have sat there and said, why did I give him the money? Why did I do that? My son is out there in the world. My son is broken, empty because I was an enabler. No, he wasn't. You know what this father did? Lord, I give up and I give him up to you. Son, go. Walk away. Get out. God, he's yours now. We don't give up on anyone. We simply just give them up to God. And while you wait for them to be restored and saved or whatever... You live your life in peace. Let's pray today. If you're here for the first part of our series, finding your missing peace, some of your peace is missing because other people have it. As a testimony of people in your life, you're letting go. You put both hands up. You say, God, I give up. Whether it's an ex, a current spouse, a child, a friend, a co-worker, a boss, someone in your life that has robbed you of your peace only because you've let them. Remember, they're helpless to you, but always helped by God. So there are some people you need to let God, in Jesus' name, break. Say, Lord, they're in your hands. Do what you need to. But I can't anymore. I can only take them so far. Then you have a crippled person in your life that God says, that was for a season. It's time for you to let them go. 
There's some people in your life that the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, you don't have a crippled person. You have a Jonah person. They have no business in your life at all. Never did. You need to throw them off and give them to me. To those that are wolf tamers, you're going to get bit. And God says he will bind the wounds. Yes, amen. But don't let it get to that point that you have to call on God to bind you because you're in the bind. Can't you trust God to let some people go and give them up to him? Father, bless this word to our hearts and our lives. Give us the strength to know when to just give them up to you. Father, we are sheep, therefore we are dumb. We make dumb decisions. We allow dumb people into our lives. Our loyalty sometimes is the reason we fall off a cliff. I pray, Jesus, in your name, that we get our peace back. For anyone that's bitter because of a door that was never opened to them, Give them the strength to shake it off and move on to others they can help, others they can love, others they can serve. But help us to never be bitter because doors are closed. Rejection happens. So I pray, Lord, that you continue as sheep to be loving, loyal, as doves to be harmless and innocent, but as snakes help us to be wise and get the wolves out. And Holy Spirit, I ask lastly, if there's a wolf in sheep's clothing, because those wolves be pretending, I pray you open up our eyes to see the wolf that's really in them. Not to tame, but to run. In Jesus' name, give the Lord a shout of praise today. Come on. Amen. Amen.